Beloved congregation of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, what does a true friend do for you? You have common interests. You enjoy spending time together, catching up, sharing news. That's what we do with our friends. You expect your friends to build you up. Let me ask you a question. Do you expect your friends to wound you sometimes? And if they do rebuke you and it hurts, how do you react? Avoid them from then on? And give preference to people whom you agree with or who will agree with you? Do you feel the pull towards those people who give you lots of affirmation and find yourself avoiding those who sometimes make you feel uncomfortable? Never before have people had so many friends. This is the age of Facebook. When you can have hundreds and thousands of friends, people who receive updates of what you have posted, people who will from time to time click like on what you have posted. You can even pay companies money who will organize friends for you, whether fake or real, and organize lots of likes for your web page so that people think you are popular. Facebook has really changed the popular understanding of the meaning of the word friend. But our understanding of friend has to be governed by the word of God. In fact, the word used in our text requires us to think of all the relationships we have as a communion of saints, not just with close friends, but with all our brothers and sisters whom we are called to love. In the sense of our text, they are to be seen as our friends, the people we love. And so I proclaim to you the word of God under this theme and points. True friends appreciate the difference between faithful wounds and hypocritical kisses. And we'll see three things. First of all, understand the value of rebuke. Secondly, receive rebuke wisely. And thirdly, give rebuke wisely. So true friends understand the difference between faithful wounds and hypocritical kisses. We need to first of all pay attention to what it means, why rebuke is important, understand the value of rebuke. Secondly, on the receiving end, we'll pay attention to receive rebuke wisely, and then the giving end, give rebuke wisely. And so first of all, we pay attention to the value of rebuke. Open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. The book of Proverbs has lots to say about rebuke. It speaks about warning people from joining the ways of the wicked and calling them back from those paths which lead to destruction. Chapter 6 speaks about reproofs of instruction, rebukes that teach you and guide you in the right way. Chapter 15 speaks about the reproofs or rebukes of life. In other words, rebukes that keep you from spiritual danger and preserve your life in the fullest sense. Rebukes of life. 
In fact, you could say that the whole book of Proverbs is full of rebukes for the one who will humbly listen and examine his life. Our text makes us think of one person rebuking another. Seeing that the other is going wrong and pointing that out to correct them. That's a dangerous path you are on. Change course. You shouldn't have said that, sister. You should not think like that, brother. Don't do that. That you tell the other plainly where he is wrong and what has to change. Open rebuke is better than hidden love. You know what hidden love looks like? You say that you care about someone, that you are their friend, but when it comes down to it, that love does not overflow into correction and rebuke. You can even see where the other person is going wrong, what they need to change in their life, but you keep your mouth shut. That's love carefully concealed. At the end of the day, you would not call that true love for that person. It does not serve them. You don't mind calling them your friend, but it does not translate into those difficult deeds in difficult times. And you have to stick your neck out and rebuke and correct. And why congregation is rebuke necessary? Well, consider the bigger picture. We live in a fallen world. People do not do the right thing automatically. The human heart is inclined to go astray. There is stubbornness, weakness, blindness, and it all combines for a perfect storm of people who stumble in so many ways. And that's the result, the miserable result of the fall into sin. Even among those who have new life worked in them through the Holy Spirit, and God made clear already in the Old Testament to his people that they had a task to rebuke each other. As we read in Leviticus 19, you shall not hate your brother in your heart. You shall surely rebuke your brother and not bear sin because of him. The Israelites had to love each other, and that included rebuking and correcting each other. That's the blessing that God gave in the communion of saints in Israel. Look after each other. Keep each other in the ways of the Lord. And that's why sometimes you're also going to have to rebuke each other. That's the calling of the law of God. Leviticus, part of the law. And so it's no wonder that there is so much reflection and instruction about rebuking in the book of Proverbs. This book is concerned with teaching people how to live in the right and wise way. But then it's always doing that in context of God and his law. The nations around Israel, the heathen nations, they also had wisdom writings. It wasn't just Israel with Proverbs and so on, but also the other nation had wisdom writings. But, but their concern of those the wise men of the other nations and their wisdom writings, their concern was to teach people how to live in good relationships amongst each other as fellow men. However, the wisdom writings of books like Proverbs were distinct in this way, that they taught people how to live, live in, in a good way together, but always in the context of fearing God and keeping His commandments. 
So that's why it's no surprise that when talking about living together, serving each other, the book of Proverbs spends lots of time talking about rebuke. It's what God talks about in his law. We also should note the timing of these Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 27 were composed by Solomon, but these were copied out. We read that, I think it's in the beginning of chapter 25. These were copied out in the days of Hezekiah. These Proverbs enjoyed some extra attention during Hezekiah's day. Maybe a republication for those days. And in those days, there was plenty of need and opportunity for rebuke among God's people. They were days of defamation. When God's people had been taken, had been taken over idolatry and worldliness, they'd been taken in by it. Hezekiah had to admonish the Levites to be faithful in the service of the Lord as he strove to reform the worship in the temple. And then Hezekiah also sent runners throughout all the land, admonishing the people to turn away from their disobedience and to return to the true service of the Lord. And so you can understand in those days of defamation, as, as Hezekiah worked for reformation, there would have been lots of need for admonitions and rebukes. And rebuke remains necessary in the New Testament situation. The body of Christ should be characterized by love. Christ died for his people. He died to redeem sinners from their willfulness and stubbornness. But those sinners for whom Christ died are not yet perfect. They need to be preserved in their redemption. And our Lord Jesus Christ gives his people to each other as fellow members of his body to keep each other in his ways. And that takes admonitions, corrections, rebuke, reminders, nudges in our conversations, in our interaction with each other. Think too of the New Testament instruction around discipline. When your brother sins, you need to go and tell him his fault. Lord Jesus spoke about this. And the apostles spoke about this in their letters. God's people must admonish and rebuke each other. And they gave us examples too. Think of the Lord Jesus, how much rebuking and admonishing he did. After all, he was true and righteous man. And so all this instruction about rebuke in the book of Proverbs what it means to be a wise person also who rebukes others, that was also instruction for our Lord Jesus Christ as true man. He too had to live by that. And so he rebuked people when they needed it. And not just the hypocritical scribes and Pharisees, they received a lot of rebuke from him, but he also sometimes rebuked the disciples. He had to tell them off for arguing about who is the greatest. He had to sternly reprimand Peter when, when Peter tried to distract him from his task. Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but of men. What a rebuke. The Lord Jesus gave to Peter. 
But that rebuke did not indicate that the Lord Jesus did not love that disciple. On the contrary, it was because He loved them. Because He desired that they serve Him in faithfulness, that they understand properly the Gospel about His work for their salvation. It was out of His abundantly great love for them that He rebuked and corrected them when they were wrong. He even had to rebuke the disciples once when they wrongly rebuked someone else. It was the time when the believing parents brought their children to Jesus for Him to touch them and bless them. And the disciples rebuked the parents. And Jesus told His disciples in no uncertain terms that they were completely wrong for rebuking the parents. Yes, that can sometimes happen. That you have to rebuke someone for wrongly rebuking someone else. Just because someone rebukes others does not mean they are always in the right. And the apostles too gave example of rebuking when necessary. Paul writes in Galatians chapter 2 about that time he had to publicly confront Peter about Peter's hypocrisy in not eating with the Gentile Christians when Judaizers were present. Firm rebuke. And then think of the letter that our Lord Jesus Christ sent the congregation in Laodicea. Those people there thought that they were fine. They were rich and had need of nothing. The Lord Jesus told them, you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, naked. You are completely wrong about yourself. You think things are fine, but you're in danger of me spitting you out of your, your, my mouth. Repent, he said to them, turn to me, because if you don't, it's going to be terrible. And then in that letter, the Lord Jesus added, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. It is an act of love when Jesus Christ sternly rebuked his congregation there in Laodicea. And that's why, congregation, there must also be admonitions in the preaching from the pulpit. Because rebuke is important for the congregation of Jesus Christ. We have not yet arrived at perfection. We need rebuke, correction to be warned about sinful paths and attitudes, to be encouraged in the right way. Those whom the Lord Jesus loves, He rebukes. Therefore, take in the message of our text. Open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. That's what the head of the body does. And he expects the members of the body to do likewise. Rebuke your friends. Correct them. Iron sharpens iron. Don't say you care. If you see your friends making a fool of themselves, and don't gently point it out. Don't say you love them. If they are breaking commandments at a party, and you just laugh. Open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. Don't stand by when they are living in disobedience, but warn them, admonish them. And if they don't change, 
continue the discipline process. Of course, not every rebuke will end up in discipline. Sometimes it's a one-off correction that is needed and you say it and leave it at that, the moment has passed. And then you leave it with them that next time they do better. You sharpen them in that way. It's easy to flatter another person. To tell them the things that they want to hear. That makes them feel good. You affirm them. But in the grand scheme of things, that does not really help a fellow sinner. In the long run, it will not reflect well on you either. As we read in Proverbs 28, he who rebukes a man will find more favor afterward than he who flatters with his tongue. So congregation, rebuke your friends. The word used for friend in verse 6 is literally one who loves. A friend in this context is one who loves you and whom you are called to love. And you are all called to love each other as the body of Christ. You are all called to be friends to each other in that way. Not best friends. You can only have a few of those. But you all need to friend each other in that way in the church that you love each other. And fellow members of the body will rebuke each other, correct each other. You say you love the others. You sing psalms about loving the fellow saints. Well then, that love ought to come out in deeds and words of love. Also rebuke. As the Apostle John writes in his third letter, My little children, let us not love in word or tongue, that is, say that we love each other and let it go no further, but in deed and truth. That is, our love should come out in concrete actions. Also actions of rebuke. But before we consider more about the how of rebuke, we need to first consider the instruction our text gives about receiving rebuke wisely. And that's our second point. Receive rebuke wisely. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in Jesus Christ, Paul writes in Colossians. Through faith in Him, through faith in Jesus Christ, you receive true wisdom, congregation. The wisdom you need to live and serve as faithful children of God. And Jesus Christ desires His people to be taught by His Word to be wise. That's how they receive the treasures of wisdom and knowledge which are found in Him. And so also the instruction of our text is necessary for you to grow in your wisdom as a believer. Be wise in the way that you receive rebuke. Brothers and sisters, let me ask you, who likes to receive rebuke? Who likes to be corrected? You did something, and then someone says to you, that was not the right thing to do. You say something, and someone says, you've got it all wrong. You should not have said that. You push certain things, certain directions, and someone says to you, that's the wrong direction that you're pushing. Scripture points in another direction. That's not helpful. Who likes to be rebuked, corrected? Who likes a friend who acts like your conscience? Who says, I don't think we should. 
who's always asking, is this the right thing to do? We rather be liked by others. We prefer that others approve of what we do, that they like how we live, that they give lots of likes on our Facebook pages or whatever social media we use. Even if you don't like it, just like it anyway. It, it looks good and it feels good. We like to be affirmed and complimented. Even if the person does not care about us and compliments us for his own purposes. That's why we need to think carefully about this proverb. You need to chew on proverbs. We need to be able to distinguish between faithful wounds and hypocritical kisses. Why is it, congregation, that we almost instinctively shy away from rebuke? Because rebuke hurts. It touches us deeply. It reaches our soul. That person thinks, I am wrong. Thinks I did or said the wrong thing. I don't like that. Rebukes wound. Even if you keep up the appearances on the outside... Inside you wince, you feel it. And the Holy Spirit tells you exactly. Rebukes hurt. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. As we saw earlier, the word for friend in our text simply means one who is loving. A different word is used for friend in other places in Proverbs, but here it's just that, one who is loving. And by contrast, the word enemy is simply one who is hating. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. That means those wounds will help you. They will make you grow. Those wounds are trustworthy. When it says that the wounds are faithful, that faithfulness is really a reflection of the person who gives the wounds. He is faithful. And this quality characterizes the wounds he gives you. The wounds proceed from an upright and truly loving and faithful soul and they really promote the well-being of the person who is wounded. Those wounds are given out of love and for your good and well-being. Those faithful wounds of those who love you are contrasted with the kisses of those who hate you. The translation deceitful but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. The translation deceitful is not the best here. It's better to translate this as profuse or abundant. The kisses of one who hates are abundant. Scripture speaks about kisses between a man and a woman in love. And we speak that way too about kissing. But Scripture also speaks about kisses between close friends, even of the same gender and family. Like between David and Jonathan. Or between Jacob and Esau when Esau was no longer angry with Jacob. Then they kissed each other. A kiss is a sign of love and support and fellowship. Although we might use it in the family situation, we might not use kisses in that way anymore today. Between friends. But someone who wants to hide his hatred that will then use words and gestures to pretend that he likes you and cares for you. So Proverbs speaks about the kisses of someone who hates you and there's other ways in which that is still done today. Other words and gestures to pretend that someone is liking you, 
support you, has fellowship with you. The form changes, the danger remains. Our text says that the kisses of an enemy are abundant. Such a person can go to a great length to hide his real intentions. Not just the odd kiss of fake love and fellowship, but lots of them. Because he's covering his lack of love for you. Abundant in the way he tells you that he loves you and cares for you. All the while covering over that he really does not. He does not care for you, but he has his own agenda. Think of the betrayal of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus used a kiss to indicate, sorry, Judas used a kiss to show the soldiers whom they had to arrest. He betrayed his Savior, the Savior, with a kiss. And then it's all the more striking how when Judas did that to Jesus, how the Lord Jesus responded. He said, friend, why have you come? Judas had evil intent behind that kiss of friendship and fellowship he gave to Jesus. Flattery is similar. When people say lots of nice things to you, but they are seeking their own advantage. They've got a hidden agenda, but they cover it with lots of compliments and affirmations of you. Congregation, learn to distinguish. A wise person understands the difference between the faithful wounds of a friend and the profuse gestures of love and support from a friend who really does not care about your true well-being. It's so easy to be turned off by one who wounds you and to gravitate toward those who affirm you. But learn to distinguish. Fervent lips with a wicked heart are like earthenware covered with silver gloss, Proverbs 26. It looks precious, but it's worthless. Some other, other proverbs on this, he who hates disguises it with his lips and lays up deceit within himself. When he speaks kindly, do not believe him, for there are seven abominations in his heart. Though his hatred is covered by deceit, his wickedness will be revealed before the assembly. When someone has an evil heart congregation, then they can sometimes speak so nicely to you, even as they plan to hurt you. That's what makes it so hard to see through. For we cannot see into someone else's heart. And their words appear nice. But Proverbs says, His wickedness will be revealed before the assembly. It will eventually come out that hatred he has in his heart, one way or another. Maybe in the way that he treats others. You can see that there is hatred in his heart, even though he has nice words for you. And so you shouldn't trust him when he speaks kindly to you. Of course, they want to cover their wickedness with a pleasant veneer. Beloved, learn to welcome faithful wounds. Be cautious when the expressions of appreciation and affirmation are abundant. And don't shy away from someone who sometimes hurts you with rebuke. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Don't avoid friends and brothers and sisters who make you feel uncomfortable 
who bluntly point things out sometimes. It hurts. Yes, the Holy Spirit knows that. And that's why he speaks to you about the wounds of a friend. Don't shy away from the admonitions of the elders. Or from the admonitions that come through the preaching. Don't get your back up. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Of someone who loves you and cares for your true well-being. Think about this. What kind of doctor would you consider him? If he finds out that you have a serious illness which is going to require radical and hard treatment but then cannot tell you because he does not want to upset you. He feels awkward about telling you that that lump is not just a pimple under the skin but actually a tumour which means all kinds of treatment you're going to need to have. How long before you would go and find a doctor who would tell you the truth even if it's not pleasant? Be wise, congregation, in responding to rebuke. The verses before our text teach you how not to react. The stone is heavy, we read, and sand is weighty, but a fool's wrath is heavier than both of them. In other words, it's hard to endure and bear the anger of a fool, heavier than a stone or a pile of sand. Don't react in anger to rebuke. That makes it very hard for others to rebuke you. Often it takes little to get us really upset. It's hard to endure a fool's wrath. That's not the way to respond to rebuke. If there is one thing that is repeatedly mentioned throughout the book of Proverbs, it's the danger of not listening to rebuke. Proverbs 10, he who refuses correction goes astray. Proverbs 12, he who hates correction is stupid. Proverbs 13, a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. Proverbs 15, a scoffer does not love one who corrects him. And the ultimate consequences can be dire. Proverbs 15, he who hates correction will die. Which ultimately points to the everlasting destruction which will come upon those who insist on refusing correction. Or Proverbs 19, he who is often rebuked and hardens his neck will suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. So beloved, don't get your back up when someone rebukes you. Sometimes people are ready to fly off the handle as soon as they hear something that wounds them. And that actually makes it hard to admonish and rebuke. That anger simmering just below the surface can be hard to bear for someone who loves them and wants to rebuke them in love. Heavier than rocks and sand. And that's not to say that every rebuke is justified. Think of the rebuke the disciples gave to the parents who wanted to bring their children to Jesus. That was a rebuke for which the Lord Jesus had to rebuke his disciples. Not every rebuke is justified. But we are in danger if we do not welcome rebuke. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Someone who loves you and cares for you and seeks your good. Not just that you feel good, but really seeks your spiritual and eternal well-being. And in that spirit rebukes you. 
Faithful are the wounds you receive from him or her. Be a person who welcomes rebuke. That's the wisdom the Lord Jesus calls you to in our text. And that congregation is how he builds up his body. The church is in danger of being tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. We need to grow in maturity and we need each other for that. When everybody speaks the truth in love and so builds the body to maturity in Christ. That process, it's going to hurt sometimes. You will feel wounded. But that's how Christ rules over his flock. Keep your eye always on his work. Of ourselves, we are proud. We don't like to be corrected. Flattery and a profuse kisses suit us better. How we need the work of the Holy Spirit in our midst. The Spirit who works humility. Who changes us so that we are humble towards each other. So that we are wise and accept rebuke. So that we submit to one another as the body of Christ. True friends. Christian friends. Brothers and sisters who love each other. They understand the difference between faithful wounds and hypocritical kisses. Which brings us to our last point. Now the giving end. We are called to give rebuke wisely. So rebuke is important. And people have to listen when they are rebuked and not get their backs up. So now I'm going to give it to that person I've been thinking that I should speak to. Stop. Wait a minute. Be wise. Give rebuke wisely. Don't forget any of the wisdom of Proverbs. Proverbs 12, there is one who speaks like the piercings of a sword... But the tongue of the wise promotes health. Clearly, you can wound without helping. Proverbs makes clear that words can be very destructive and not helpful. Not all wounds we give to others are faithful wounds. The teaching that faithful are the wounds of a friend is also instructive for us when we give rebuke. Don't forget that the word friend in our text literally means one who loves. You must offer rebuke, even rebuke that hurts, as one who loves the person being rebuked. The rebuke must be done in love. Open rebuke is better than hidden love because open rebuke is an act of love and that's what's to characterize the rebuke too. Does the person you rebuke know that you love them? That you count them as your friend in Christ? What would stop you from saying to them, before you give the rebuke, I love you brother, I love you sister, I really care for you, and that's why I need to say this to you. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Make sure the wounds you give are faithful wounds. Wounds that proceed from a loving heart and whose whole intent is to build up the other person. The tongue of the wise promotes health. Make sure that your rebuke is so that they will grow as a member of Christ's body. Grow in maturity. Grow in love. Grow in joy. Grow in strength and in obedience. Examine your heart. 
Am I motivated by love? Or by a desire to show up that person? Am I really after their growth? Or to put myself in a good light? Wounds can build up, but they can also break down. Someone who loves will only wound others for the sake of their health and benefit, not to break them down. How we need the work of our Lord Jesus Christ through His Spirit in our midst, so that the love we have, so that we have love for the other, so that we can truly be friends in that way. Christ has poured out His Spirit on the church who works in us that love. Cry out to your Saviour, congregation, to continue to work that love in you. Seek from Him humility too. The humility that puts yourself at the service of your neighbour. Be scriptural in your rebuke. Your correcting each other should ultimately be about helping each other grow in scriptural obedience and living. How we need the Spirit who has been promised to us to give us the wisdom to know the right words to correct each other, to show them how they are to grow in their godliness. Be wise in your rebuke, but don't hold back from rebuke either. Open rebuke is better than hidden love. The Lord Jesus loves you, congregation. You are His flock. He laid down His life to purchase you from the tyranny and slavery of the evil one. He died to free you from your sins, to give you everlasting life. He's the faithful Savior who will preserve you for your eternal inheritance. And He calls you to be His instruments for that. To be true friends to each other. To boldly and humbly and lovingly rebuke your friends. To sometimes even wound each other as you seek to build each other up in faithful service to the Lord. Beloved, the world... And the devil attack the church. They want us to become full of world conformity. Our flesh not only goes along with that, but our flesh also resists rebuking lovingly and receiving rebuke. Our flesh prefers people who always like what we do and shies away from people who wound us even when it's faithful wounding. And that is dangerous. Hear the words of our text. Open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Be a good friend and welcome the wounds of a friend. The Lord Jesus Christ loves you and would have you build each other up and be built up. Also through the rebukes you give and receive. Amen.